how grateful I am for the experience that I've had over the last 17 years post-diagnosis. It's such an opportunity to look at life through that different lens and I encourage the listeners to consider uh, how they're looking at life without having to go through some enormous uh, events like I did. It's, it's such an opportunity on a daily basis to have that reflection. Welcome to the Smart Business Transformation Podcast, the show for executives with a growth mindset that are leading transformation programs. I'm your host, Ben Ramsden, and this week we're talking about possibly the most important thing in your life. Sorry, that kind of sounds a bit dramatic, but but just, just bear with me and, and, and let me explain. In transformation programs, things get very busy. People are quite often under pressure, leaders, team members all under the pump, may well be experiencing things and doing things they'd never had to do in their career before, all sorts of different requirements and high expectations. And during these times, resilience becomes really, really important. And by resilience, I don't just mean surviving what you're going through, but also thriving, how to achieve sustainable high performance and actually achieving things that that you and your colleagues have never been able to achieve possibly in your life ever before. Well for me I was extremely fortunate to work with a couple of people in the resilience and sustainable high performance space a few years ago who I consider to be global experts in this area and I'm absolutely delighted that one of them, Stuart Taylor, CEO of Spring Fox has joined us on the podcast today so that you can hear his story and benefit from some of his expertise. Look, I'll let him introduce himself directly to you. I, um, as, you as you mentioned, lead Spring Fox, uh, which is an organization working with uh, organizations on uh, sustainable high performance and resilience. Uh, before I did that, though, um, I actually started my career off in the military, was an aeronautical engineer, um, an officer, and uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And then I uh, headed off and spent a lot of time with uh, KPMG, consulting division, uh, then with corporate at Heinz. And during my time with Heinz, I started experiencing some symptoms. And by the time I went and found a doctor to explore this, I was diagnosed with a grade three brain tumor. Uh, And on the back of this was given a two and a half year prognosis. Um, I'm really happy to say that that is uh, around 17 years ago now. And so it's been a a, a very challenging journey, but in so many ways, such a positive journey of reflection and change um, and adaption to a very um, difficult situation. I was very fortunate a few years ago to join a course that you and uh, Sven Hansen ran um, on the whole subject of resilience. Um, You're now CEO of Spring Fox. Can you 
explain to us how um, how life moved on after that um, after that diagnosis in two thousand and two, leading to the creation of Spring Fox? Yeah, sure. Look, it was a it was a very uh, as you can imagine a very um, caught in the in the um, headlights type moment uh, prior to that diagnosis. Uh, I was at the age of 32 when it was when I was diagnosed, and prior to that, I was this bulletproof um, person who was on the road to uh, senior leadership roles, um, and really uh, just pushed very hard during that time in terms of hours and pressure and so on. And you know, it was it was quite incredible having been diagnosed to realize firstly how short life is and how confronting it is when you realize that you aren't bulletproof. It was uh, an amazing experience for for myself but also for my family, particularly my wife, who at the time we had three kids under five. Um, and so it's certainly not the news that you are um, wanting to be receiving and in a, in a way, I became the fourth child, the project to support. And so you can imagine the pressure that she was facing to deal with this news. And so as we did uh, lean into this challenge and go through conventional um, medicine, if you like, in terms of surgery and radiotherapy, I also um, happened to come across uh, the Gawler Cancer Foundation and spent a lot of time with them on, on retreat. And it was actually this experience that gave me, um, I guess, some perspective to say while the disease will do what the disease will do, uh, I can have some bigger choices to how I live my life, uh, which may or may not impact on the disease, but either way, I will uh, enjoy the life experience more than I was at the time. So on the back of that, I changed every part of my life from exercise to nutrition to mindset through to meditation, um, optimism, and ultimately decided at that point I needed to change my career. And um, shortly after that, I did go back to work and I do remember a couple of months later sitting at my computer thinking, what what the hell am I doing here? And, and in response to that, I did have a conversation with Sven Hansen, who you mentioned earlier, who had founded uh, the Resilience Institute. And on the back of that conversation and over time, I decided to join him and lead the Australian um, firm, which ultimately became Spring Fox. And what a, what a amazing journey it was personally and professionally to uh, come off the back of that diagnosis and have an opportunity to go out there and hopefully make a difference for other people who were perhaps pushing too hard or wanting to thrive but at the time weren't doing so much of that. It's interesting. I was probably one of those that when I met you was pushing too hard. 
and possibly as a result of the work that I did with you and Sven, um, I haven't uh, had an experience uh, along the lines that uh, you've so dramatically described to us. Um, yet it took you know, quite a major intervention on behalf of my employer, on behalf of the senior leadership team at the time, to take me and uh, a group of us to, to be with you for a number of days on and off over a period of, I think it was about six months in all. Why, why is it that so many of us think that we are bulletproof and we can just keep thrashing away without... Um, without any regard for our sort of person, personal welfare? Well, look, I think it's done, um, albeit potentially in a naive way, it's done with, uh, for most of us, with a sense of passion and purpose and a desire to grow and learn and, and contribute. Um, I think the, the challenge is uh, that during that process, we can lose perspective and... I think it is fair to say, uh, as the years spin by, we seem to be finding new and interesting ways of making things spin faster. And technology's had a had a huge part to play in that. I I think. Um, equally, though, uh, we individually have chosen to uh, buy into that and participate in that. And I think as part of that, we uh, get caught up in this dash for cash, if you want to call it that, or this, this sprint. And unless we do uh, take an opportunity to stop, step back, reflect, uh, we just can't, don't even see that we're in that, in that uh, place. And, you know, it's, it's just uh, we, we hear this so often with our participants and our leaders that this is the first time I've stopped to even ask myself some of these questions uh, around basic stuff like how do I sleep, let alone uh, where am I up to from a mindset or or spirit perspective. Uh, you just don't tend to do that uh, reflection perhaps as often as one could. So for our listener today who's probably somewhere uh, in the working hard basket department, what what sort of issues may they be facing uh, that would suggest to them it's worth um, taking a bit of time to, uh, you know, potentially re reset in a few dimensions? Yeah, I think there's, there's different things to keep an eye out for. And I'd be, be surprised if uh, anyone that is listening hasn't had some of these experiences before. And I guess the challenge is, is are you tuned into them and more so tuned into them early enough and have strategies uh, to deal to them, uh, we have a, a model that we call the downward spiral and it tries to enunciate a language that uh, describes what happens to you uh, when your resilience is failing. And it starts at a pretty basic level called the confusion level. And at this level, I just got so much on my plate, I don't even know where to start. And I think most of us go there on a daily basis, and that's that's okay. The question is, do you recognize it and do you delete, delegate, prioritize and get yourself back above the line? And it's this level of confusion and intensity that we see is so prevalent um, in Western uh, organizations, uh, this busyness that is has become an epidemic. 
Now, you stay there too long, uh, what happens is you head south into uh, this place called disengagement, which uh, I guess is a cognitive condition, not emotional condition, and a cognitive condition where my executive center just can't handle any more information. It's like staring at the screensaver and watching and watching you know, watching it just buzz around your computer screen, or driving home at night and you don't even know how you got there. That's a, that sense of checking out cognitively. Uh, so it's a real, a real challenge, and it's really noticeable when you're doing that with the, the people that you love at home and they're talking to you and you haven't absorbed one word that they've said, when that in itself is just a, a real stark indicator that perhaps you need to uh, take more frequent breaks, um, get some sunshine, go for a walk, have some coffee, whatever you need to to reset and so you can go from that confusion to disengagement, but really the next level is where it starts to get a little bit more stark. We call that withdrawal. And it's at this level that I start to talk to myself in really pessimistic language. And for most of us, we don't have that language uh, style, that explanatory style. But when we get to this level, we do start to talk ourselves down and bad events become permanent and, and uh, broad. Uh, and it becomes, if you like, a pathway to depression if you're not careful. Uh, the, the next level down uh, is really where you can notice some symptoms to your point. Uh, we call it vulnerability. And at this level, this is where I've got no energy. I'm waking up tired. I fall asleep on the couch at night. And one of the most obvious ones is I go on holidays and I get sick and uh, so many people talk about how that's such a, uh, a common occurrence for them. And then, then the last two really uh, you certainly don't want to be getting down to around distress and ultimately depression. But those first four uh, are able to be recognized and when you do recognize them, you can actually deal to them and not let it get to that mental ill health uh, level of those last two. Stuart, we've spoken there about resilience in the context of, of symptoms and, and problems potentially to be solved. Can you also talk up the spiral in terms of some of the opportunities to be embraced? Yeah, big, yeah, big time. And I think this is, uh, we've shown this in our global research that we released again last year, which we released pretty well every every two years. And when you look at the the positive investments that you can make in the upward spiral versus the downward spiral, the proactive things you can be doing, uh, we've shown that that delivers a 30% reduction in uh, mental ill health symptoms. And I'm not sure whether you're aware of the efficacy of antidepressants, but if you look at a broad range of research, a meta-analysis if you like, the impact of antidepressants is about 3%. And so the, the payback on proactively investing in your resilience uh, is huge. And so to your question, uh, we see there's five elements in this upward spiral. The first is, um, I, I call it an anchor or a, or a ground zero. Uh, it's also called stress mastery. So the first level is stress mastery that says, how do I uh, create an abiding level of calm. 
And that, if you, if you like, is the flip side out of that confusion level that we were talking about at the beginning of that downward spiral. You know, it does start with breath. It starts being able to stabilize that, that diaphragmatic breath. Um, it includes being in the present. Uh, um, it includes uh, recognizing that your stress profile profile is caused by your brain going into the future and forecasting disaster, so bring it back to that present. The second level, uh, building on that, is around energize your body. And we know that the link between personal investment in your health uh, and resilience is very strong. And so here, really practical stuff around exercising and fixing your sleep with you know, evidence-based sleep principles like never sleeping in on the weekend, cut off coffee beyond 2 p.m., um, as well as uh, nutrition uh, is, is key here. Um, the third level is around engaging emotions. And so understanding that I can choose my emotions and I can choose more functional and productive emotions that allow me to be true to my values uh, rather than spending time in dysfunctional rage or panic uh, and so on. The fourth level uh, is around uh, training your mind. This is very much around that mindset you were talking about earlier, um, seeking that realistic, optimistic thinking and making choices that are positive um, choices rather than destructive choices. And then the top level um, is ultimately where resilience comes together. Uh, the first four are really important. Uh, but this last one, this this one we call spirit in action, spirit in action uh, is where I get out of bed with a view to putting my whole self into what I've chosen to be part of. So it includes um, areas like uh, compassion, values, trust, purpose, uh, strengths, uh, just to name a few that fit at that level. Yeah, so this, this upward spiral is, uh, requires discipline and practice to build this into your day. Stuart, I occasionally share your spiral with some of my clients, and um, I'm sure I do a very bad job at explaining it relative to you, but the impact it has on them uh, I find quite amazing. So I must, uh, I must, in my sort of fanboy mode, sort of um, <laughs> congratulate you and Sven for... Uh, for producing that spiral and thank you for, for talking through it with us today and uh, in the show notes I'll put a link to your global resilience report and I think the spiral focuses quite heavily in that report as well if people want yes, to uh, learn more Indeed. can we move on to your global resilience report that's the 2018 version um, which I think has been quite recently released um, what is it? Can you give us a bit of an overview about what, what, the, what the report's about? Sure. So uh, as part of our programs with our clients, uh, they invariably include a diagnostic instrument we call the resilience diagnostic uh, before the program. And in many cases, that also happens after the program. And so uh, in this report, uh, there are 21,000 uh, data points over the last four years that are uh, looking at how 
uh, participants are rating against the 60 factors of resilience that line up against those 11 levels of the model. And the 11 levels are the six um, downward levels and the five upward levels that we talked about there before. And so this report looks at those 60 factors and explores um, how that uh, plays out uh, from a gender perspective, from an age perspective, um, looking at uh, best practice, looking at mental health, um, and, al and also um, does a, a impact comparison looking at pre and post assessments where people have done both uh, pre and post. And in this uh, research download, that covered around 4,000 people. So we're talking significant numbers um, of data points uh, to add uh, fantastic credibility to the insights that are provided by the report. So really interesting to see how uh, there's significant diversity at a regional level. So if you look across the world, this, uh, this assessment is deployed uh, globally through our various practices around the world to see that the European countries come out with the highest levels of resilience and the more Asian and particularly Australasian countries with the lowest level of resilience and Australia is one of the lowest uh, levels, uh, having one of the lowest levels of resilience, which for many is quite astounding. Uh, and we, we seem to think we're the relaxed um, uh, nation in the world. Reality is that doesn't show up in this research uh, at all. Uh, in fact, we rate very poorly in terms of well, one of the 60 factors called, called worry, uh, we seem to spend a lot of time worrying about the future. Maybe that's on the back of all the restructures and so on that are going on in our organisations. I'd like to unpack the, the Australian result a bit more, if we may, Stuart, and to the extent you actually understand some of the underlying issues here. Um, I'm not, I can't, I've got no idea about how Australia really compares to Europe and US and other places uh, right now, although I've worked in all those places at mm. some stage in my career. Are, are you able to really work out what, what, what is, what's going on there or are you more focused on what to do about it? Yes, it's, it is definitely both. So in terms of what appears to be going on, and is uh, I've mentioned one factor that shows up as as a big concern. Uh, another, another factor that uh, that also stands out is around the ability to focus. And that one in particular stands out because when you look at best practice resilience, if you want to be a resilient person, of those 60 factors, what would be the single factor that you would seek to uh, improve and work on? Uh, it absolutely is focus. So those that are rating as, as high in focus are correlated with um, high levels of resilience as measured by our resilience ratio. Uh, so when you look at um, the two uh, elements that Australia really takes a hit on uh, around worry, which spending time in the future and ability to stay on task, uh, that in a, in a way uh, provides a, a fair bit of the explanation of the levels of resilience. Now, interestingly, it's no surprise that Australia 
does uh, top the list with New Zealand in terms of levels of fitness. That one you would have expected to be very high. Uh, for me, that actually is more concerning uh, because if we didn't have that level of fitness, some of these other factors which are pulling us down perhaps would be even worse. Um, so it's an inter- interesting, interesting picture of, uh, of where we sit. I find that fascinating. Can we just talk about the worry and the focus? Do you believe this to be a sort of existential type issue related to what's happening to people in their lives? Or is it the way that, that we as Aussies and uh, tend to process uh, everyday life? Look, I think when we look at resilience, a big part of resilience is uh, it's very much perception. So there's no, no question about that. Um, uh, and a big part of, of perception, of course, uh, is perspective. And so you say, well, is it actually easier uh, to live in those European countries that are doing better than uh, Australia? Well, I'm not sure that it would be. And in fact, if you look at some of the economies uh, in Europe, uh, you would say absolutely not the case. And so when you look at these results, you have to ask the question, what is the mindset and perspective that we have uh, compared to the European um, uh, perspectives? And unfortunately, what's showing up here is we actually need to do a lot more reframing and and perhaps get over this idea that we are the that you know the romantic notion of the relaxed Aussie. It's actually not the case, but in a way, perhaps could be more the case where we do keep things in perspective and actually focus on purpose rather than on the busyness that we seem to be preoccupied with. So, what practical steps can can we as Aussies take or our listener take to uh, move themselves in the right direction? I think we can build on our assets is a, is a really good starting point. And, and the fact that we are uh, uh, very active human beings uh, relative to the rest of the world is a huge asset. So we can definitely um, start there. Uh, but when you look at all of the, the factors that are of challenge and of opportunity, um, there's, there's nothing on this list of 60 factors that you can't actually be doing work on. So even like ability to focus, well, the, the pra- first practical steps that we'd be advising our clients there, and we do advise our clients there, uh, is uh, to bed down a daily relaxation practice, a mindfulness practice. And over time, uh, you actually train the brain to uh, improve its bench strength in terms of focus. So that in itself uh, becomes a strength rather than a risk factor. Uh, So there's nothing that isn't learnable there. It's a question of do you take the time to invest in building these resilience assets? We're talking about solutions and um, and actions that people can take, and that really is what you do at Spring Fox. Um, Can you tell us more about your organisation and what you do? Sure, love to. We have uh, this amazing um, privilege and opportunity to uh, be welcomed into organizations, uh, often large organizations is where we spend a lot of our time, be it corporate or in government, to help them move through transformation. It's quite, it's quite often a reason that we're called in 
or it might be around uh, going from good to great. It might be around we're going through merger and we want to integrate with other organizations. Lots of reasons why we might be um, called in to work with that organization. In essence, the sort of work we do between doing assessments, coaching, uh, and consulting is to help the leaders and staff build up skills of sustainable high performance. And emphasis on the word sustainable, I think, is key. Uh, I think we can all build high performance. The question is, what are you doing to make that sustainable? And I look back to my days as a consultant at KPMG, you know, it was definitely high performance, but uh, the sustainability just wasn't built in there, I'm, I'm sure of it. And so what do you do on a daily basis uh, to reinvest in self so that you can um, be at your best more often? And so that's the sort of work that we will do uh, across those various interventions. Uh, we also find uh, more recently our work uh, under the Spring Fox brand has expanded into – uh, three areas. Uh, one is um, uh, considering where the organisation is up to in addition to the leaders and staff. So where an organisation is conducive to a sustainable high-performance culture or whether it's actually part of the problem. And so looking at the values and the, the risks uh, and the practices that might be getting in the way of leaders and staff thriving. So if you like a consulting uh, element to it. Um, the, the second element that we've now spending a lot of time uh, with clients on is around uh, leadership trust. And this is uh, clearly a topic of the day with all of what's going on in Australia, be it through um, the, uh, the Banking Royal Commission um, or what's going on in uh, Catholicism in sport. Uh, we know there is uh, so much uh, destruction of trust happening. Uh, and when you get a leadership team, an executive team to focus on that topic, um, again, that can feed beautifully into aligning an organization to purpose rather than, rather than creating a fear-based organization. So the, the work we're doing there around our Trust in Action 360 is significant. And the third element is also of, an, of a digital nature um, uh, is around our digital solution, which uh, I think you know, takes a lot of the workshop material and allows it to be expanded over time and over geography so that the clients can sustain the change that they're trying to create. Now, earlier on, I mentioned uh, I think it was a three-month uh, intervention that you ran in the business I was working for at the time and for our listener that might feel a bit overwhelming they can see there's enormous value in in what you in what you provide what's a more sort of toe in the water or bite-sized way of um of moving down this path uh, oh absolutely and I think that's the key point that you make and look we do still believe um when uh humans experience a program over time when people get that experience and get to play around with it go away practice implement come back check in with others 
uh, it's over time going to be a better outcome. I think that's the evidence is very clear. Uh, however, uh, there's a need to build trust as well uh, with the topic, with um, Spring Fox, with the content. And I think uh, that's where we do a lot of work in the area of shorter one to two hour keynotes, introductory um, conversations, uh, half day workshops. The, I guess the content you'd have to say is customizable to what an organization. Uh, is tr looking to do with the budget they've got in the time that they've got, and that's really where it's got to land. Uh, there's no no perfect world to say everyone's going to want a three month program. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So, how can people um, find out more about Spring Fox or potentially reach out to you if they want to know more? Yeah, please. Uh, springfox.com uh, is our website, and that's probably the best uh, place to go. There you'll get to see our team and um, our philosophy. Uh, and testimonials um, and media uh, that uh, we, we spend a lot of time uh, talking in the media, so you'll see some of that thought leadership there as well. Um, so springfox.com is, is the best uh, place to go. Well, Stuart Taylor, thank you so much indeed for joining us today. Before we let you go, are there any other points you think uh, we should be talking about in front of our listener? Oh, look, Ben, I would just finish by saying um, how grateful I am for the experience that I've had over the last 17 years post-diagnosis, and uh, it's such an opportunity to look at life through that different lens, and I encourage the listeners to consider uh, how they're looking at life without having to go through some enormous uh, event like I did. It's, it's such an opportunity on a daily basis to have that reflection. Well, I can certainly back that. Um, as I said earlier, I would be very fortunate to uh, benefit from your, your work and that of Sven. So uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us today, Stuart. My pleasure, Ben. Thank you. It's interesting. It's a few years ago now that I did the work with Sven and Stuart, and yet there's some practices that I put in place during that course that are still in my daily routine today, which I found extremely beneficial thought it might be useful just to share a couple of them now, a couple of the minor ones. I guess the first is that I used to think that coffee or caffeine had absolutely no impact on me. But, you know, I thought, well, you know, it's a pretty simple thing to try uh, that, uh, that Stuart and Sven have mentioned, so let me give it a go. And as a result, I cut out coffee after 2 p.m. And I found that it's had a really useful and beneficial effect. Um, it's really helped with my sleeping and um, I mean, I'm not monastic about it, you know, I'll occasionally break the rule, but generally I'll only have one coffee a day and generally always before two o'clock in the afternoon and I find it really improved my, uh, my sort of um, my sleeping and uh, my general alertness, particularly at crucial times of the day. The other thing is that I suffer from high cholesterol or the wrong sort of cholesterol. Um, so I've taken some steps to improve my cardiovascular health, which so far seems to be working. So, <laughs> so that's good news. And actually, um, just another point more generally on exercise. Um, the course prompted me to have a really interesting conversation with my team about whether we introduced resting heart rate as one of our KPIs in our annual performance review that actually affects how much we're paid. Now, you can imagine that was quite an interesting debate 
state. And um, I actually regret to say in the end we decided not to go with that. I think it was a bit too confronting or a bit too concerning for people to do something like that. Um, but the upside was at least one member of our team uh, treated it as being a sort of uh, call to arms to actually get themselves fit and a lot healthier than they have been. And I know that was very beneficial for that particular individual. Um but on a sadder note, um, I've recently learned that uh, one of my colleagues at that time has since passed away. Now, I've got no idea whatsoever about uh, what happened and everything behind that, but I guess I've got a bit of a lingering doubt about whether perhaps a different outcome at that time may have led to a, um, a better outcome for him. But uh, I guess we will, uh, we will never know. Anyway, that's it for this week. Um, I do encourage you to have a look at the Global Resilience Report uh, in the show notes. If you go to smartbusinesstransformation.com, that's smartbusinesstransformation.com, you can get the show notes. The uh, I'll put a link to the Global Resilience Report. Particularly look at the page where the spiral is shown. I found that as a really useful way of calibrating where you are and where your team is um, in the spectrum as described by Stuart and particularly uh, presuming you want to uh, move up the spiral uh, that gives some uh, you know it's a really good um, visual aid for that I'll also provide a, lo- uh, provide a link to the Springfox website. If you happen to be outside Australia, then don't worry. Springfox, through their sister organisation, the Resilience Institute, has got uh, partners around the world. So I'm sure you'll be able to find uh, somewhere else close to you. If you do want to drop me a line, then do please email me at ben at smartbusinesstransformation.com. Smart Business Transformation is all one word, dot com. In the meantime, until we next meet, do please keep growing. Keep growing.